0: Ref, UFC, on Fox, fight night, whatever, was fucking amazing. With Dos Anjos, Dos Santos, Overeem Cerrone, but most importantly, the return of our favorite Diaz. Everyone's favorite Diaz, which is any Diaz, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. And if you don't believe me, go look at what Josh Salmon had to deal with. With Tamden McCory. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. It's our Christmas special episode. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Every other holiday of festivity, I wish a happiness to you, Raf.
1: That's great. I celebrate the Scientology Christmas.
0: I live next to the Scientology building, so what does that mean? What do I say?
1: Do I you just... say, uh, Merry Xenu.
0: Really? Said ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? No, Mary Zeno to you. Raph, how are you doing this evening?
1: Not bad. Um, what is your problem with uh, what is it? The triangle finish that you were talking about with Salmon there. It. My problem with it is that it is my
0: nightmare. When I think about the worst case scenario fighting MMA, there's a lot of them. You know, you get kicked in the face, but that's going to be over, and hopefully you just get knocked out. So you don't even have to think about it, and you wake up like Aldo, and someone has to explain it to me. That would be ideal. If Raf got to come in and be like, okay, Kevin, uh, spoiler alert, you lost. <laughs> I know. Who saw that coming? Uh, we did, obviously. But you got kicked so hard in the face that you still think the fight's going on, it's not. It's been over. I'm going to show it to you. You're going to have a
1: good laugh. No lie. I've come up with different scenarios. Oh, really? In which I would run over to you, yeah.
0: What what would what would you... What do you think? like How do you feel like you would take the news of being like... Is that what we're talking about? You have to break the news that I've just
1: been KO'd? Yeah. It's got to be tough. No. It's pretty easy. No, I think I would just run over to you and I'd be like, Hey, buddy, guess what? <laughs> the fight's over. <laughs> what did you want to do? Would, was there a movie you wanted to go see? The buffet's open? we Let's get you some ice cream. Would be yeah. nice. I think that's the first thing I'd say is... Guess who's got two tickets to the buffet? (laughs) Just that would be genuinely.
0: If I lost in such stunning fashion, I feel like that's the only thing
1: I would want to do with
0: like two other people—just
1: go eat at the buffet. I don't think there are too many scenarios where I see you winning. Okay,
0: (laughs) that's good. So you're prepared at least Mm -hmm. for in that situation. And this is a moment in the show where we encourage all of you at home. To have this conversation with your loved ones. Find out what they would want if they get knocked out. The holidays are coming. Your drunk uncle or relative or cousin.
1: You still do that gay sport with gay? <laughs> yes.
0: There it is. You're going to want to know what people's preference is. Whether you're doing the knocking or receiving.
1: You guys still wearing those pretty pajama robes and throwing each other around? Well, Wow. That's uh, that's one way of putting it. Or my favorite is uh, there is somebody who actually was saying, you guys do the hot ha And then they make the karate gestures. Yeah. And the stupid part is those are the people who I think categorize me as not laughing the most at their jokes. And I always ask them a question, which is, what did you do to make me not laugh at those jokes? Yeah. Ask yourself that question first.
0: Don't look at me. I'm not the problem. I laugh at a lot of jokes. A lot of them. And I'm a thousand percent with you. I get the karate bullshit a lot. You're still doing the karate thing? you doing the karate thing with your knee. And then it's double condescending because mm-hmm. they're acting like I couldn't do some insignificant activity because of this stupid knee injury. It's like, no, I can't do a high contact, very important sport because of a very significant. Never mind.
1: Or they just look at you and they say, the "Well, man, I guess you're not doing it that well." <laughs> that if we're being honest, because ch- like no, you know, normal, let, let's look at our choices in life.
0: Yeah, or like, have you thought about a less violent sport? It's like you don't, <laughs> you even know the name of it. Now you're offering me advice. <laughs> Fucking ten seconds later, thank you. I don't need it. I'm, <laughs> I've got all. Yeah, I have considered. Uh, my kickball club doesn't meet as frequently. And, you know, it's just not high cardio. So I struggle to get it. (laughs) Raph, we need to talk about Donald Cerrone getting pretty well beaten up by Rafael Dos Anjos. Were you surprised when you got the Instagram news?
1: (laughs) seems like a... A habit that's developed. Uh yeah, the past couple of weeks have been You were watching up and like you were didn't you you saw Diaz or no? I did. Yeah, I and... was like,
0: You were watching up and two. I remember you texted me that you were like, I need the updates when they come.
1: Like, yeah, and you very nicely put in a text response back, You're only gonna miss one. And I was like, Yes, but which one am I missing? <laughs> Only the main fucking event. I was just rubbing it in. I was I was doing that uh, passive-aggressive. Wow, so one Kevin. So much <laughs> genius disguised in those 140 <laughs> I characters. I don't want people thinking before.
0: we're not like this at all times. There <laughs> are a lot of moments we are exactly like this while watching the fights.
1: Yep, what you see on TV, kids. So... Uh, You know, you say that to me and I'm like, I don't really give a fuck what you're saying. Just send me the result. And I'm in the middle of um, like a Christmas party. And I do get a free pass because it's very well documented that I am staying on my phone to watch the results. So I was very happy about that. But Kevin was the one to tell me the prompt that said – Hey, Raph, here's the update for what happened in that fight. And I said, Oh, shit. And I was talking to somebody, and I was like, Oh, that's a very nice thing. I can't believe that's what's happening at where you work. Oh, excuse me for a second. It appears that one of my favorite fighters has been knocked out by someone who shares a namesake with me. Excuse me. <laughs> at which point I look for it <laughs> on the Instagram, and I'm like, Oh, fuck, that looked terrible. Um, and you just feel bad for Cerrone because you always know he's capable of a good fight, and he did say in the post-presser that he just didn't show up, and I... Would agree with them because, you know, this is the second week in a row where you have two excellent fighters who really didn't look like they were in the fight because it happened so quickly. So uh, just a shame for those two people. But I think even more so with Donald Cerrone because he's really become the embodiment of all that is amazing about America
0: and toughness and mm-hmm. being a bitchin' leader. I don't know. Just, I would vote for him for Congress a week ago (laughs) and can i also make a comment that i think i was i've been honestly putting this in my head why people have been so shocked by people getting knocked out it feels like mma you sort of come in bursts and we had hit a real lull where we were seeing like a lot of fighters take rounds like because there is a gsp john jones even silva era where people just, there was a lot of five-round fights, it felt like, at all times. We could never get a decision. And because we've not had that problem over the course of our last few fights, even when it happens fast, it's like, yeah, Donald Cerrone fucking goes forward. You know who else does? Rafael Dos Anjos. One of them was going to get knocked out. I thought it was, you know, I know Cerrone said he, he didn't show up, and of course he didn't put on the dominant display we'd like to see, but I thought he... I, I again, you know, fighters are obviously critical, but it was a blast to watch and it looked like what happens when a few firecrackers go off next to each other, you know, one of them kind of won.
1: Yeah. Uh I I don't know. I'll say this. I think that I like Donald Cerrone, it doesn't make me like him any less. Um when he's lost, he's still been in a majority of those fights. Like he's still uh you know, been really really uh, good or effective at stuff. So I, I, I get that about him. Um, you know, I just feel like in a certain way, knowing what he's capable of, you just feel a little robbed in, in saying what could have been. And more importantly for him, that build up to that title shot, which it seemed like forever. So, you know, you start back uh, a little bit off the mountain and you have to work your way back off. So or back up, and I don't know. I, I, I still feel good things for him, but um, I'll ask you this. Do you think that we see him fight for the title again?
0: I I can. I mean, this isn't... He's kind of fortunate in the sense that 155 right now isn't the most stacked place. Rafael Dos has a little bit of a chokehold, but Donald Cerrone's only ever two or three high-power knockouts from getting a call. So my am I, am I definitive answer is yes, because he's also one of those people that, you know, it's a finicky world at the top where sometimes it's really hard to get an opportunity, sometimes it's not. Donald Cerrone is one of those fighters that's always there when it's not hard to get an opportunity. So he'll show up. That's my answer.
1: I think it just comes Wishful up thinking. with I just time wanted- and availability. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it comes up with time and availability, and I think, you know... There's definitely many cases where he just finds his way right back into there sooner than he did, you know, this time. Um, but there's also an interesting sort of perspective that's being thrown around, which is that Conor McGregor would want to fight Dos Anjos at some point. So,
0: I think that's a mistake right
1: now. You go ahead and beat the shit out of the American
0: Ninja Nick Diaz, Nate, whatever Diaz, who's also now fight coordinating, and we'll get to him in a second. Did but. we
1: discuss his post press conference? Like, no, not we haven't the gone to that Joe fight Bogan, yet. We haven't gone I know, to the but ADS. you and I didn't do this off air. Like We didn't talk no. about the fact. No, not at he, all. When you said American Ninja, you didn't watch any of that.
0: I did watch him talk after, yeah.
1: But you, you saw him talk to Joe Rogan. Yes. Okay, but you didn't see him talk at the press conference after. No, I did not. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I rarely do this on the show. But I am actually going to tell the audience that we're going to take a slight pause, so that way I can get Kevin to hear this. Be right back. Um, now for a live
0: version of that life-changing press conference, we have Nate Diaz on the line. Christmas special.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of fucked up that you know Fox uh, censored me. So. Uh, I went backstage and I talked with Ari Helani, and you know this is like what I told him at my backstage. So here we go. You know this is the fight game. You know people need to hear what needs to be said. You know I'm sorry, Fox. You know, but you can't. You know, turn on the TV. It's the fight shit. You know, and you know I think they fucked up. I mean, part of my language, but you know it's just part of the fight game. And I hope my message got across. And you know what? What? you know know, the stupid thing is I want to fight and I want to fight the people I want to see and I want to get my fight on and you know when we fight I'm going to fight fight you know it's like it, all this shit. It's like Ninja Gaiden shit, Ninja Warrior, Revenge of the Ninja. You know, Surf Ninjas, Beverly Hills Ninja. You know, I'm Tum Tum, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Secret of the Ooze. Obviously, Ice Cube. Nah, I'm just killing Vanilla Ice. I forgot. Yo, whatever. I started that shit. You know what I'm saying? Double Impact, Lionheart, Armageddon. That's not even a ninja movie, but I fucking love fucking Bruce Willis. You know, so like, you know, he, I'm the fucking American ninja. He's an Irish ninja. You know, bring that shit on. Let's fight. Um what's the key to beating him if you were to pick out anything uh there, Nate? Uh, you know, ninja shit, you know. Fuck that, you know, it's gonna be good for the sport, you know, fuck that, you know. I'm just gonna fuck him up, you know. Thanks, son. Ninja shit, you heard me.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Diaz. We always love when he steps by, and you know, that's great advice for this holiday season. Ninja shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, curious to get the loved one in your life ninja shit you know
1: I think Zales really misses out <laughs> they don't, it's a shitty on the opportunity to just have their ninja line oh, with, with I just, a spokesperson like him again when he got to saying I'm again in there
0: oh man
1: I was dying because I just hearing him go on a list of things that he could think of I thought he was going to stop at Ninja Guy and Ninja Warrior, and I was like, okay, we get one more. But then he started bringing up Van Damme movies, and I just felt like <laughs> for a split second, me and Nate Diaz grew up the exact same way. <laughs> Thank you. You're saying that any any
0: part of that speech, and I want everyone to hear what Rafa Spars is about to admit. You're saying you felt like that speech brought you and Nate Diaz maybe a little closer.
1: One hundred percent. That was my childhood. <laughs> that he was describing the whole time. It's <laughs> like that sounds exactly like the way I talked when I was a kid. So oh, you, know, you be the judge. It's good shit.
0: Our gut gut reaction, honestly. Did did Joe Silva tell him he's gonna fight
1: Pro- Conor McGregor next? Probably not. But. It doesn't hurt to say because all I could think about in my brain after hearing that wonderful uh, excerpt that we just had live read on the show for you guys here. I don't know how we pull that off. No other
0: show can do that. Live reads from Nate Diaz. No. No. Zero other
1: shows. (laughs) First of all, getting him to show up is a fucking nightmare. Uh, No, I just in my head could hear – Dana White at a future press conference going. Dana, Dana, question: uh, Will uh, Nate Diaz get the uh, first shot against uh, Conor McGregor? <laughs> the fuck, he is. He says a lot of fucking fuck shit. Let's be there. Uh, yeah, you don't fuck that guy.
0: It's you know that's exactly what's going to happen. One hundred percent. It's going to Sorry,
1: sorry, Nate, but perhaps and- <laughs> called this one accurately. Let's say, let's say, okay, because it's Joe Silva, so maybe, I don't know. You know I, I like the idea that Joe Silva also goes up and uh, has a, a true player status about him that just goes, you know, guys, Joe Silva says a lot of things to people, ladies. Shh. You're just one of Joe Silva's side chicks. It's okay. It's okay. I know how it feels. Uh, that's a possibility. I still feel in the back of my mind, though. Uh, if they did somehow give us this fight, all of us would be giddy as hell because uh, as the good folks, I, I recently guested on the Inside BJJ podcast. So if you're listening to this uh, and you're a fan of them, welcome. If you're listening to us and you're a fan of you know, us, listen to them. It's a really, really fun episode. But they posed it and they said, is Conor McGregor merely taking what Nate Diaz and his brother – put down like is he's the postmodern version of what the diaz brothers started he's doing something slightly different i argued that as well but i could see what they were talking about and you know if that's the case i think that isn't the argument he's winning fights
0: though uh, i was kind of going there too but uh, i think (laughs) that's my only difference like yeah he's doing one distinct difference he's i think the
1: other thing that's important about that is i would say that uh, Chael Sonnen is probably a closer model that oh, there Conor go. McGregor follows. Except again, agree. as you said, he wins more. Yeah, so just a
0: slight more. Yeah. That is a I, and I honestly, obviously, wasn't about to give for some reason. Rap, I'm sure you're sitting down. and I'm glad you are. I wasn't a. I just never was inclined to give Nate Diaz much credit for Conor McGregor's success. You know, I thought about it. Obviously, like I thought about every time a new fighter comes along. It's just never occurred to me to really follow through. Yeah. Dos Santos Jr. gets Mm -hmm. knocked out by Overeem. Overeem through the over left, (laughs) overnighting Jr. Dos Santos into, I don't know, a fight with someone not quite as good. That one tailed off. Alistair Overeem looked pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, as good as one can look when they're off the horse meat, and they are uh, human. And it was a great knockout. I think that's the funny part about this whole scenario is we put up a a meme that said, you know, someone didn't take their Snickers, and the weirdest part that I saw of people who reposted that meme was people saying, "Yeah, but he still got the knockout." And I was like, "When did all of these?" Fucking overream apologists come from. Like, it's a well documented fact the dude was juicing. So it wasn't like we were just inventing a claim. <laughs> it's. <laughs> How dare you I bring do, facts
0: into this I argument? I do like your. That is the, the defensive, sorry. The overream apologist is a category of apologists that, like, they should meet monthly. They could. There can't be but 90 of them.
1: It's definitely done anonymously because I don't know how many people want to hitch their their wagon to that case in particular because if you look at that photo – and granted, somebody made the case. This I think actually of all the comments was my favorite. They put it up and there's one of him on a scale where he's yoked out and he looks in great shape, obviously aided by something in one of those fights. And then it's him a little bit more flabby now and they said, you know, guys, it's not fair – to put a picture right after the weigh-ins to like the next day or like the, the day after you weigh in, because you obviously you're going to be a little flabby because you put a whole bunch of food back in your system. And I was like, that's true. You do put some food back in your system. How much food we talk in here? Because uh, those love handles look like he does look healthy. They're, they're he there. They're there. You know, I mean, uh, that's a lot of pasta. But he's a big boy, so I don't know. It's a lot of
0: pasta. A lot of pasta. Well, he did look good. And we haven't talked about the fight, Nate Diaz versus Michael Johnson, which was a pretty crazy back-and-forth bout of both of those guys can take a punch, can't they? Jesus. And
1: a slap on occasion here and there.
0: Or Uh, a, a takedown or a ground kick. I bet Michael Johnson wants that fight back. He looked angry at the end of that one.
1: Well, okay. That was the other meme we put up. Which was, uh, you know, Diaz knew it was pretty close to the end. He was feeling pretty good. He looked up at the clock and uh, he realized he had maybe about 20 seconds left to burn. And then you saw Johnson go in for like a takedown and Diaz said, oh, fuck that noise. I'm going to be fine. And then he started getting uh, a little bit off of his balance. And you could see him kind of go into panic mode of like, oh, shit, this fuck is trying to take me down. (laughs) And. Uh, Johnson, you know, doesn't really do anything because he runs out of time. So Diaz gets the leg to finish what looks like the beginning of a knee bar, uh, except the buzzer is now sounding, but he's not letting go. And at which point uh, Johnson is just kicking him. And I think that's the right approach, because I feel like he'd try and finish the knee bar like he was busy posing for the cameras and You'd doing some sort of victory. I think you know, he would finish the knee bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But that that's definitely like and I think we've all been to those open mats with those people who want to show you that they could potentially get the submission in those last 2 seconds and he's
0: definitely proven he's capable of anything.
1: He's a very good jiu-jitsu <laughs> practitioner. So, you know, it stands a lot of scenarios could make sense, but that was a really uh, <laughs> like just laughed. And that's when we knew the show was coming. How I don't know how anybody didn't know that he was going to curse up a storm right after a performance like that because n- the rules don't apply what do you even the matter? rules
0: definitely don't apply and especially if they did that's exactly the problem he's never gonna it's just not gonna follow yeah. not in the diaz head no those were the and the main card rounds out with ronda marcos losing to carolina koala koist koala that one's hard yes. that one's difficult Um, Some other noteworthy, uh, Nate the Great Marquardt beat up C.B. Dalloway. And if you're thinking, God, it feels like I saw that fight 10 years ago, you might have. So just be prepared. Still fighting, though. Great stuff. Fun card, though. Good card. Yeah. Yeah,
1: very happy. That was a good uh, low-key Saturday fight uh, card. So that's good.
0: And we're celebrating our Christmas episode. We've got one final story before we get to uh, some fun shout-outs. EBI is going back to no heel hooks for children. Which sounds like one of the most ridiculous senses to say out loud. There was a time when they were allowing heel hooks for children. Eddie said that this group really wanted to allow heel hooks. Someone got injured. Raf,
1: do you believe this is the right call? I think it's absolutely the right call for so many reasons, but let's start with the obvious. It is a liability for a tournament to have that happen to any of their fighters, especially if they're kids. Can you imagine if people really, really made a big fuss about this and credit to Eddie that he wanted to make it open to the kids to have, uh, or to be treated just in the same way as the adults. But let's be very honest here. I don't think the kids have the maturity No matter how long they train, and I think there are some exceptions, but I think the kids need to have the maturity to know when it is appropriate to tap. And I don't think that's necessarily – they aren't coached on those sorts of things because according to Eddie, the kids asked for heel hooks. Now, I think the kids also asked to have candy for dinner. So, sure. Yeah. But if you leave that that judgment in there, I I think it makes it a little more cloudy. But here's the the point I'm going to contend. I'm going to throw it back to you after that. You can train heel hooks with with letting uh, the kids know because you want them to be well-versed in that. I think there's a real value in teaching uh, students those kinds of things because you don't want them to get hurt and injured. I don't think in a competitive setting... And I think that somebody on Reddit actually made this argument very well, which is as a ref, they've seen more kids not tap to moves because they want to go through it. They want to muscle through it. They want to really exert their ability to go through it. And the bigger lesson of that is when that injury does happen, the place goes silent. Nobody knows what to do. And that's exactly what happened when that injury happened. Everybody feels bad, it's a terrible situation. And it's not unlike where as an adult, if you saw Gary Tonin get heel-hooked, you'd say, you know what, he just did the wrong thing and he knew better. In this way, does the kid know better? And would that change if they had been coached?
0: Yeah. And to give people some context, there was a match between 14-year-old girls, both much higher level than me, Absolutely. at jiu-jitsu. And one of them got heel-hooked and it really popped her knee out of socket. Like you could see... That's exactly what happens if you apply pressure to the heel hook when you shouldn't be. That's that's it. So, And that spurred the change. I agree with all the points you made, and I'm glad they made it. I'm just glad they did. Well, uh, some people don't. I know, and they're wrong. because. Well, why
1: are they wrong, Kev?
0: Because the fucking... NBA three point line is further than the college one and being 18 is 18 but being 16 and having the bright lights of Eddie Bravo and the Invitational can occasionally get to one and I know not these kids no one's kids yeah except kids are kids and being young sucks and it happens once and it's hard enough so maybe they don't need heel fucking hooks to take them out of three weeks of school because we want to prove a point about how tapping is the ultimate yeah shut up This is for the same reason there are limitations on every sport at every level for people under 18. Every sport. Let me bring up a a point
1: that uh, Chris McDaniel wrote on our wall, which says, I'm torn. I was there and shocked and horrified along with the rest of the crowd except for Schaub. But I feel like the answer is more awareness to do to something dangerous, not banning and pretending it's too lethal even to attempt. This is submission grappling, not flower picking, right? How many leg injuries are there in our sport versus tumbling, ballet, gymnastics or cheerleading? Let's not try to make it too safe. Okay, Chris, uh, thank you for submitting that that prompt. I think it does spark a good debate. I would still argue this. First of all, it's not flower picking. Have you seen some of the rash guards? Second, I would say that it's not saying don't practice it, or at least don't understand it, but from a competitive setting where there is insurance and there are huge problems to be made, where we are trying to make this sport watchable on a TV setting, I can guarantee you if somebody saw a competition with a kid getting their leg cut like that, a network TV executive or person behind it, they just wouldn't be interested. And that's not to say that injuries don't happen. Obviously, freak accidents happen all the time. But this is entirely preventable and and more to the point of what Kevin's saying is that's why they put some of those rules in effect for younger ages. So, yeah, the kids can want it all they want. But I just think from a safer standpoint, train it in your academies. Make them aware of it if you so choose to do that in your academy, that's fine. I still feel that it's the right choice, and uh I think there are a number of people who in the academies or at least uh throughout fans of e b i who feel like they made a good decision and it was a right one um and I'm sure Eddie's bummed about it, but you know let's I just feel we gotta be smart with it and I think that's one of the smarter ways to handle it.
0: I agree. And that capstones it
1: for us. We support the going
0: back and just, we're big fans of Hill Hooks. We love heel Hooks. Hill Hooks are amazing. Be 18, be an adult. And you know what? Be above a purple belt. <laughs> Be advanced. <laughs> For the same reason we don't want two white belts walking out there and heel-hooking the shit out of each other. Just bad. Well,
1: it's also from the perspective of there are certain adult competitions that don't even allow people to heel-hook. And yeah. I think that, you know, obviously it's because they recognize there is a certain danger of it. Um, and we would say that we are huge proponents of if you are the black... not because
0: the injury isn't preventable. It's because the degree of the injury overtakes the normal
1: degree <laughs> and we are proponents of if they are in the expert black belt division let them go nuts yeah yeah, knock yourselves out they don't put it doing. in there absolutely but i think making that same argument for that black belt division to 16 year old kids <laughs> sounds it, ridiculous you know, it's a little different <laughs> it's
0: dicey it's, hard. It's, it's a little dicey <laughs> well let's take this holiday cheer of agreement because we're all there in the season of cheer and move on to some shout-outs, Raph. Let's do it. I love this segment. Raph, this is one of the cheeriest things we do. This is a real holiday upper. It's a great idea by you. You put the message out. Anyone in the BJJ community, MMA community, any community, anywhere, give a little shout-out to someone that's influenced your journey an amazing little thing that we started two years ago yeah wow I like that we can say things like that yeah like, hey, which year was it that we <laughs> where did we develop that cool song before over <laughs> to Kevin uh, <laughs> those, are, those are funny questions this is we got some overwhelming responses I yes love this. we got a ton of responses we're gonna read them and there's gonna be a little Christmas cheer along the way that's right
1: uh we will also apologize in advance for ruining anybody's names but you know that when no, you we submit won't. <laughs> well I, I'm getting to the the disclaimer now you know that when you submit a name to both me and Kevin you're at your own risk so you're welcome you're very welcome Let's start off with this one. Uh, This one comes from Kyle Aho. It says, I'd like to thank the VMAC early bird crew for showing up at 5 a.m. to kick my ass on several occasions (laughs) and getting some extra training in. I am very appreciative of their and your time during those few months. And that would be me. uh, A lot of our other friends. uh, Pam. uh, I think Octavio came into a couple of them. Uh, We had a nice crew that would show up at 5 a.m. And uh, I miss that. I do... I do like training in the morning because I am not a morning person, and it would actually make me tolerable throughout the rest of the day if I trained in the morning. So, thank you very much, Kyle. It was a pleasure training with you, too.
0: That's impressive shit. You guys getting up at 5 a.m. And this point. next shout out is from Happy 10p, which is probably the 10 planet. This one goes out to Giovanni Martinez, 10p O side. I've really enjoyed the hell out of watching Giovanni Martinez fight. And that's a great shout out.
1: Absolutely good friend of the podcast, um, Happy 10P, who is also a part of Nawaza Apparel. So we just want to say what's up to him. Thank you very much, man. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but I was decking out some Nawaza Apparel. Uh, you know, not just an e 3, but also a very nice Grinch-miss kind of sweater. I look pretty good in it, and you would too if you have it. All right, let's go to our next one. This one comes from C3 Nora. It says... Uh, Phenum BJJ OC. Shout out to Professor Martin Morachimo and coaches at Bearcat at Michael Singh Official and Zunig uh, Zerg. Uh, so, <laughs> Zunig is Zerg. Uh, we want to say thank you to those. Uh, you may not know this, but uh, this guy in particular is one of our favorites here. Always. Always teaches us uh, really, really funny things on the internet, sends us great links. A really, really good friend of the podcast. So, thank you very much, Schultz, for that one.
0: From Albert, and we've got our first name butchering coming up. Mm-hmm. Big time, Raph. I was impressed by our curtailing it so far, Aguire. Aguire? Close. <laughs> My professor, Daniel Camarillo of Camarillo Jiu Jitsu, and Eric Nolan, and Eric Nolan's Extreme Training Center great double shout out by the way he throws in some jiu-jitsu and his extreme training center yep that's someone i also don't want to mess with on the mats mm-hmm. it's going to something called he is he is a center.
1: killer oh, thank you he is a black belt he is amazing if you get the chance to see him uh in super Sounds fights right. or just competing he's he's good people we like him and we want him to be on our side let's go to our next one this one calls from my bjj podcast arch nemesis that's paul moran and it says they won't want to hear it, but Matthew Benyon, Ben Tong, and Callum Medcraft all need some props, not for dealing with the debacle of excellence that is around the mat, which, by the way, is an impressive way to categorize what it is we do. Yeah. The debacle of excellence. Uh, but for all they are doing to spread jiu across the world, covering news, making news, supporting competitors and practitioners alike with Polaris and a million other projects, I don't think that there is a group of guys doing more for the sport in a variety of ways. Scramble, Jiu-Jitsu style, and Polaris are changing the game and for the better. So my two cents go to the lads across the pond. Said Aww. in true Paul Moran, nine chapter four. We cut eight versions
0: of it. There was a ton more. There was
1: like nine more stanzas. We got pentameter at
0: one point, mm-hmm. which, yeah, we get it. You're a gifted Gifted writer, Paul, but.
1: This reminds me of the time nine. when I was interviewing President Gaddafi <laughs> about X Guard, <laughs> and he told me personally that Marcelo has his favorite guillotine. Leader Martial Arts gave
0: a shout out. It said, My professor at J Pages taught an awesome seminar at my school. That's effing cool. I love when a good.
1: Yeah, never forget the people who do seminars. Those yeah. people. They fly through everywhere, and I'm sure that they love to hear when they get props. So that's awesome. Good on them for mentioning that. We also want to say a shout-out on behalf of our good friend Bubba the Menace, a.k.a. Bubba McDaniel, that says to or Ornino and Steven the Warman as coaches and my friend Sir R. King Parker. Sir R. King Parker? At first I read it as striking partner. But it is Sir <laughs> yeah. R. King Parker uh, for me, for sure. So thanks to those people. You keep our good friend Bubba McDaniel happy, which keeps us happy. Bubba McDaniel. I'll actually – let me take this one too. Absolutely. Uh, this one comes from my cousin, actually, who uh, put on my uh, account for early late night. She put, I would like to oh. shout out my mom, Zona Lopez. Although she isn't on Instagram, she flew down and helped me and miss work when I had a mild heart attack due to loss of nutrients uh she is awesome and has a heart of gold and i love her so much thank you and amber we are glad to hear you are good we send so much love and uh and and good vibes your way and of course your family is amazing so good vibes to all the lopez family
0: absolutely i like the families carlisle may that dope ass beard and hat (laughs) shout out to hashtag ethnic santa
1: so that one comes from our good friend Karis, uh, who is uh, married to Marshall Carper. Karis, oh god, uh, very. Right through the rug.
0: Carlisle Bay is fantastic. It's okay. It's okay. Karis, you're like, oh my god, he can't read. He was. They weren't joking.
1: <laughs> uh, Karis is, of course, dropping me a very nice mention because I got on a Santa hat on my giant head, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I got am it. an ethnic Santa. So okay. <laughs> that's great. Uh, this one comes from Neon Belly, 1974 Great. I want to give a shout yeah, out to bad my bad. buddy and my coach, Noah Tillis, for the dedication he gives to his students. And Noah is uh, a game competitor, so we definitely want to go ahead and uh, send out some nice uh, shout outs that way as well.
0: Monte? Mm-hmm. No one in particular, but shout out to everyone who helped me become
1: 1% better. You're welcome. <laughs> Are you taking credit for that? Absolutely. I rolled with him at least once this year maybe twice I think yeah something like that so uh, this next one comes from BJJ Mojo our good friend Joe says I would like a huge shout out for the jiu-jitsu community especially my professor Juan Pablo Garcia of Pacific Top Team for holding a seminar this year in honor of my brother Caesar who was involved in a really bad accident also Travis Nawaza for being part of this great event thanks to everyone we were able to raise enough money to help with medical bills and other expenses oh and also of course our sponsors uh, Deus Fight on the mat David Ways' photo BJJ Empire Newaza Apparel, Garcia BJJ traps Newaza and Transition Apparel Joe has been such a great supporter of our show We are so happy To uh, send out uh, Good stuff and we are happy to hear That good things are happening for uh, Your brother, that is uh, great stuff And keep us updated on how his health is continuing
0: This next one From Dean Wellen At Chris Haterart. Oh god damn. And the rest of the <laughs> Combat House Goon squad. I'm going to get beaten up by several people. Do <laughs> Chris Hater how do you how would you say that? Do you have a Chris better? Hader. What? Chris Hater? Oh, yeah, that's good. That's the art. Yeah. And the rest of the Combat House Goon squad. I like the combat base. Combat mm-hmm. base is obviously the name of it.
1: I mean, it's good to give credit to one of the dirty dozen, uh, Black belts Kevin, so no big deal. Thank you. This uh, one comes from. Do you want to
0: do the reply since you can do it in the in the voice?
1: Uh, I actually didn't see the reply. What's the reply? Oh, I was just the Tom. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know that I have a Tom impression though. Oh, okay, hey, but don't good try and know. get me beat
0: up, but good try. Man. I was trying to get you maybe beat okay, up. <laughs> Jesse, our friend from White Belt Survival, said I'd like to recognize Tom DeBlast to for being not only inspirational, both on the mat and with my shit talk but for being a good human. Tom DeBlast replied,
1: And you're the man, brother. Thank you, Jesse.
0: That was, excellent. That was pretty good. That had the intensity that said I could kill you multiple ways.
1: I just decided to play it really safe and good. make him the closest I could to Liam Neeson without the accent. That was nice. That was Thank cool. you. Uh, this one comes from Korean Zombie, a.k.a. Dan Hubler? 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 Hubbler, who said shout out to Five Dimes Sportsbook for sponsoring Christmas 2015. <laughs> there he goes. He's going to be found one day oh, guilty yeah. for embezzlement. I am 100% certain that's what's going to happen with him and like the Children's Fund. Like the Children's Good Deed Fund. He's going to take that and bet it on Black.
0: Uh, Hunter Alley. Shout out to my old coach, John Aguiar. My teammates, Hamza Kohi, Abdullah Al-Faiz, and all the guys in Bahrain MMA and KHK MMA.
1: This next one's coming from MADY14, who sends a shout out to Zenith Driven Jiu-Jitsu.
0: This next one from Ricardo Amendolia. Just says, Paul Moran! Exclamation point. Boo.
1: I agree. I agree. This next one comes from Anthony Baker, and it says, shout out to my coaches, Jay Han and Tanner. I think that's supposed to say John, or if it's Jay Han, cool. And my teammates, Gumby and Ill, or Lee, Gumby and Lee. All right, there we go. That's a good one.
0: Yeah, I like from Matt underscore Ron 89. Can I say Raph for helping me up? With my, <laughs> this is my favorite hashtag WWE BJJ game on camera. And that is like an emoticon. Raph. what did you do? Did you, are you, Ah, oh, you've got to stop teaching people this. I've told you.
1: No. It's a signature of the show. You're welcome, Matt. Uh, I talk trash to him a lot because I, I expect good things from this kid. I think, I think he could, uh, he could grow up to be something, but he's got to prove it to himself. A lot of uh, potential there. Let's go to our next one. Uh, it comes from Jabzilla Fighting Sports, who just said at Johnny Morgan Jiu Jitsu. So, yeah. Uh, big ups to you guys. Obviously, if you're getting shout outs from Jabzilla, some of the best photos that you will find on the net from Jiu Jitsu.
0: Yeah, and we agree. From 10P4, Casey from 10th Planet Las Vegas, and Ruben from 10th Planet Santa Fe. We're going out <laughs> on a limb, Raf. I think LG 10 P four might be a 10th planet person
1: if they are. And we're not going to say they are because that would be misleading if we were wrong. Yeah. Um, They might be named Logan. Not sure. But uh, Logan's good people. We're we're just making generalizations. We're not saying anything's fact. Absolutely. We wouldn't. We wouldn't speak in certainty on this podcast. Uh, Logan's good people, and uh, yeah, I, I always is leaving me really funny messages on my wall. So big ups to him as well. This next one comes from Ruben Avelia, and it says, "Want to give a shout out to my instructor Marcos Torregosa, uh, aka Yamaso, a World and Pan's champion for adjusting to my individual circumstances all the while guiding me through the art." Well, if anybody can put up with Ruben, they deserve to be shouted out. They do, Raph- and.
0: You're going to need to do this next one. I guess I am. There's because, a specific request there. Well, I'm sorry, Raph, you're going to need to take a break oh, during okay. this next. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, God, my bad. Excuse me, guys. Dumb Kevin again. Uh, you take a break because I'm going to bring GSP on. Uh, GSP, are you there for the Christmas segment?
1: Oh, le, ole, ole, ole. Oh, GSP's okay, coming to Christmas. <laughs> that was or. Weird. American so again, Christmas, uh, just, Canada you're so Christmas clear when is you're different. It's Boxing Day. You are doing some shout-outs for us. Oh, okay. Is that what I am doing here? GSP yes. number one? Yes. Okay. Uh, this one comes. It says uh, is from our good friend, Kiyoshi. Or Kiyoshi. Uh, it says, All of Cobrina's new black belts. Well-deserved and not a day too late. This next one comes from Genesis, a uh, martial arts. It says, For opening their second location and for their biggest turnout at the last tournament. Very good, guys. Number one. Almost uh, like GSP. And uh, this next one comes from uh, to all those wild, wacky folks who entertain us with podcasts. But most importantly, number one podcast of all time. Verbal Tap? No. Oh. oh. GSP has a podcast, then Verbal Tap. Oh. Okay. How come you have never asked me about my podcast?
0: Uh, you know, I just figured if you wanted to talk about it, you'd bring it up kind of like anything we discuss on the show.
1: Why don't you ask me what the name of my podcast is? What's the name of your podcast? Drink Nas with GSP. It's <laughs> a great podcast. Drink Nas you with GSP. Uh, you can, too, if you enter
0: Nas's month-long drawing. This message brought to you by Nas.
1: That's right. Drink Nas.
0: Thanks, GSP.
1: Olé, 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 olé. GSB is going away. This next shout-out
0: goes to from Rodrigo Gutierrez, who wants to shout out Cobra Kai Jiu-Jitsu, a bunch of super competitive training partners that push each other to excellence without the ego and taking themselves too seriously. The support that we give each other and I have felt for myself is incredible. I love my team.
1: That would be uh, Metamorris uh, Challenger finalist Rodrigo Gutierrez and a uh, good friend of ours here at the podcast. Always does really nice things for us. Right, a uh, sweet message. You may actually remember him as the guy who uh, was on the receiving end of a sharpshooter from me uh, over at Cobra Kai a couple months ago.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. So he's he's a good, good guy, and uh, we always like uh, shooting the shit with him. And I can attest very much so as a personal testament of the bunch of super competitive training partners. That part is very true. They are they are a good batch of folks over there at Cobra Kai Jiu-Jitsu. So shout out to them. Love those guys. Really good people. Let's go to our next one. This one comes from LG10PFL. Logan, we did this already. But you know what? We like these people. Shout out to Coach Casey. That would be Casey Alstead. And Ruben Rivera Laguna. You guys, you and your 10th planet. I see what's going on here. Casey Alstead great guest Want yeah absolutely guy. all around good guy.
0: from Nicholas Gregoriardis, shout out to Paul Moran the best person in
1: jujitsu oh boo no. I know no. how sweet is that Hold on. Gregory did, did we need to I'm gonna ask Nick a question real quick uh yeah can we find out hey Nick what is it about the Paul that you find to be redeemable Oh, that's very funny you ask me that, Ralph. Um, first of all, thank you so much for bringing me back on. Um. Uh. He's okay. Okay, great. Thank you. That was just as I nice suspected. That was, you know,
0: thanks for taking the time, though. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Uh, it's always appreciated. Uh, Kevin,
1: do you blaze it up by any chance?
0: Oh, you know I am right oh. now.
1: I always knew I liked you. (laughs) Ditto.
0: This next run from Andrew Stewart, Sean Stutman, and Silverback Academy at Silverback Nova.
1: I always like that name, Silverback. Uh, This next one goes out to Eric Jackman. Uh, Shout out to Jeff Chu, manager to Gary Tonin, Eddie Cummings, and my heart. What? what does there seem to be a problem, Kevin?
0: <laughs> no, I just, Nick, I genuinely appreciate it when you're here. You just, you surprise me sometimes. You you hang out a little longer than I think. And, you know, it's Oh, to...
1: no, I'm just lost. I just uh, well, you know,
0: hey, you're always welcome. You're so calming. <laughs> this next one from Christopher McGinnis. You guys, for all the free funny, keep up the hard work and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Have an amazing time, guys. Christopher McGinnis becoming person of the year at the verbal tap podcast, by the way, very much. So,
1: I mean, he's, he's always leaving us nice messages. Good, good person. We love hearing from him. Uh, this one, I don't know if there's a name, but it looks like it says, uh, Kevin Phillips. It says that he would like to shout out Andrew Correa for teaching me jujitsu and taking jujitsu all the way to the Philippines. Is that true? (laughs) <laughs> That's where he's headed. It's got to that way. That's crazy? insane. I'm going to do some
0: JJ. It's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> and this next one's I struggle with the name. I raff something Arza. Mm. It's to John Evans for being a dedicated, funny, and ridiculously wacky teacher.
1: Uh, I've heard he does tricks with the gee.
0: You're also the best.
1: That one's nice. I think you you misread that. You're the best at being the worst.
0: Oh, no. See? Don't know. This is my read. I nailed it. I finished the quote that I saw before me, Raph. Mm -mm -mm. Congrats to all the teachers, professors, MMA weirdos, jujitsu nerds, people we've talked to. Uh, congrats on a great 2015 to the jiu-jitsu community and MMA. It was a good year for all of us. Absolutely. Raph, I love this segment. Let's keep doing do this. too. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody.
1: One of the nice things that we do on the podcast is we get to verify if uh the people who are talked up the people who you know our friends know yeah are actually those good of uh people for example uh we have a good friend by the name of uh jim lawson some people know him as jimbo and he's been going on about this guy and here's the problem though his name is eddie cruz and i believe him to be a good person i don't know about jim I we, still feel it's
0: been questionable. But, He's been on the podcast. We have reasonable doubt.
1: I'm just Yeah. And I just I feel like it's almost like a reverse kind of thing. Like our reference is going to tell us if Jim is actually cool or not still. So we're still working to figure that part out. But we figured in order to get to the bottom of this, we would invite on Eddie Cruz uh onto the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Eddie Cruz. Eddie, how you doing, man?
2: I'm pretty good. How about you
1: guys? How you doing? Uh, you know, not too bad. Can you do us a favor? How did you meet Jim? And follow up question. Why do you hate yourself with his friendship?
2: <laughs> well, I actually met Jim. He just uh, called me up one day out of the blue and said, hey, I need to go to a jujitsu school. And he showed up at my school and we trained. And that, that's pretty much how I met him, you know, just a walk in. And
1: how long ago was that?
2: Um, I think about two or three years ago, two years ago, three years ago, something like two years ago.
1: Wow, that's insane because that's about the time when I met Jim and I was looking at him and I was like, who's this guy? He is – if he wasn't such a good instructor, I would think he's one of the goofiest guys I have ever met. (laughs) Yeah. Because you you look at him and he's so like – He's telling me we were taking pictures at the end. He's like, Hey man, beat the shit out of me in this picture. And I'm like, Why <laughs> did I do that? I don't need to beat the shit out of you, Jim. And he's like, No, just do it. And I go, Is this guy? He's something some chromosome is missing from his brain.
2: <laughs> yeah, he did the same with me. He told me to, you know, do something weird in the picture. I don't remember exactly what it was the first time we met. And uh yeah, it was something off the wall. He's
1: so goofy, but he's he's actually good people. I don't want people to get the wrong yes. idea. Uh well, you, know, like, you know he's actually
0: good people it's like guess. Good-
1: <laughs> Well, because here's the thing, Kev. He listens to these on occasion. I, so, I do know that. You know, the last thing I need for him is uh, knocking on my door and uh, calling me out because he's quite good at jiu-jitsu. I anyway, going to say, no lie. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, enough about Jim. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, where does your jiu-jitsu journey begin? Uh, how did you get started in the whole, uh, what is it, pyramid scheme we know as jiu-jitsu?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually – Hail from Port Saint Lucie, Florida, um, the home of Dean Thomas, and uh, not too far from Renato Torres. Um, so, Dean Thomas, he used to cut my hair, um, and he used to tell me about, you know, we used to do jujitsu, we do jujitsu and grappling and this, and I was like, dude, I will kick all your heads in because I, you know, was a <laughs> punk street kid, and uh, I swore I could beat everybody up. Uh, eventually, with enough time, he was able to convince me, so I didn't go to his school. I, what I did was I went to Renato Tavares' school, and and uh, that's where my jujitsu uh, journey actually began. Was uh, <clears throat> going to that school and, and and learning from a really great teacher, you know, a really great master.
0: That's interesting. I actually roll with some people in Kansas City that are Hanato Tavares Association <coughs> out in yeah, KC they're, they're, BJJ. They're
2: my yeah, my school is part of their association as well. Oh, awesome!
0: That's really cool. So comes with a little bit of credential. Like, we're not sold. Not I mean, I'm not prepared it's to call it a
2: lineage. Who's <laughs> he? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I like uh, all of your complaints can be sent to at Phillips Kevin 1 on the Twitter. No no need to give specifics, <laughs> ref. It's okay. I mean, it was just short of your address, so go on to the next question. Eddie, tell us
0: a little bit about what you do, how you end up in Honduras, because you have a really interesting story, and we're going to get to that in several parts. But I'm just curious about sort of the beginning of that.
2: Well, um, I have a, a you know quacky cousin who offered me a job, paying a lot of money at the time. It was uh, tr- uh, selling currency on the foreign exchange and trading. You know, it's just like Wall Street. You know, so uh, they are based out of Costa Rica. And I needed the money. So I went down there, started working with him. My best friend was working there as well. He's like, man, you know, we really need to get out of here. You have a talent. I have a place. Let's go. And um, I did. I went to Honduras and followed him like a little puppy with just a backpack. And and I ended up staying there for 10 years.
0: Damn. I don't have
1: that kind of bravery. Yeah. There's something admirable to be said about the fact that somebody comes up to you and says, all right, we're going to take the party to Honduras. And you go,
2: "Okay, Uh, Yeah. Yeah, sure.
1: (laughs) But I guess when you live in Miami, um, you know, life's already been a jungle. So Uh, why not double down on it? Uh, You know, I I really like that. So at what point were you finding jujitsu really becoming uh, an addiction? Because – I'm sure that there's a transition when you're going to Honduras that it takes on an entirely different role. But just in your own background, what was it that made the sport so appealing? Especially if you're one of those guys who started as somebody who, you know, was like, "Oh man, I can, I can, I can do a few things." Because I think a lot of people relate to that.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, it was just a challenge. Once I realized that I wasn't the top dog in the class, or that I didn't know everything. Um, I'm one of those people that just want to learn and continue to learn, and uh, it, it, that's what really killed me was people were kicking me, my kicking my butt, you know, left and right, and and that really irked me, and so I just kept wanting to train and kept keep wanting keep wanting to train, um, so that way eventually I would become the top dog, not knowing that you're never the top dog. You know where I'm going? Yeah. In jujitsu,
0: we can relate. I've yeah, yeah. I can. I'm very familiar with not being the top. What (laughs) were we saying?
2: There's always a dog with a bigger bite.
0: (laughs) There is, and it seems like a bigger bite and a better Ezekiel or Guillotine, more specifically. If I could just troll through my history. So take us through to where you're at now with jujitsu because now you're teaching and we're going to start to transition to your story, which is that you're you're trying to spread the value of jujitsu. So talk to us about how you transition from like a guy that gets, you know, sort of focused and intense on it into someone that's passionate and experienced enough to be teaching and spreading the gospel.
2: Well, um, There was a, we started a school down there in in Honduras the first year I was there and it didn't really do that well because people, like I had told you earlier, were so up on MMA that they couldn't separate the two. They didn't know how to separate or didn't understand the concept of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And that really, really frustrated me to to the point where I actually quit. I actually stopped doing jiu-jitsu for a while. I became a teacher at a local high school teaching physics and, uh. One day they had, they had a bag in the gym there, and you know I decided you know what I'm gonna hit the bag today. I start hitting the bag. One of the kids walks by and he sees me, and uh, <clears throat> he stops by and he says, "Hey, you know what? What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm hitting the bag. What do you think I'm doing?" He said, "What is it?" I said, "Well, I do a little bit of mixed martial arts, but mainly jujitsu." The kid went crazy. I mean, he was doing cartwheels, jumping up and down. He's like, "You do what? You got to show me. You got to teach me." So he, at first, I said no, Then eventually he is like a cliche movie, you know, where. The teacher doesn't want to teach the student and the student, you know, eventually convinces the, the teacher to do it. It's like so an awesome
0: cliche movie.
2: Yeah. So so I eventually did it. He he found a judo teacher that was willing to loan us his mats. So, you know, we would go in tw- two to three times a week after his classes. And the trade off was after our little training session, I would have to clean the mats. So it was a pretty fair trade off. Yeah, and uh, eventually, yeah, he got a couple friends and, and those friends got some friends and, and it, it became a school to where eventually I was able to get my own little place and and start teaching. So it was so a pretty cool. interesting little, little transition. There, yeah.
0: And what do you see in in the power of just the, the teaching of jujitsu? Because you get to see it in a really unique perspective. You get to see it in Honduras, which is, you know, we sort of see the uniting factors. But I'm just curious. Uh, your take on what you see amongst this sort of like small elite group of people that kind of became dedicated to the sport.
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it does change lives. You know what I mean? People say it all the time. Oh, you know, it changed my life. It changed my life. It, it doesn't change your life. It To these kids, it's saved for an hour and a half a day and be safe from all of the dangers that was, that was outside of the school. You know, Once they walked out of the academy, it was, again, I'm in danger. Every second of your life in Honduras is a dangerous, it's a dangerous journey down there. People don't understand that. So we were able to give self-confidence, uh, um, just all of the you know, great morals, um, understanding of what life really should be like, why it should be that way. So it wasn't just jujitsu that we were teaching. We were teaching these kids how to be better men and women in life, how to make better decisions, how to see bad things coming to them. So it, it was very – it's very fulfilling to tell you the truth. That's
1: amazing. When you see stuff like that happening though and I know a lot of people – obviously you're right. They, they say that jiu-jitsu saves their lives. What is it that is your obligation to doing it? Because I don't know that everybody would stop to help and do that. Um, so it, it takes a certain kind of person to not only just initiate it, but to continue doing it under those kind of circumstances.
2: Yeah, um, th- there's something that I didn't tell you earlier, which was um, when I started making the transition from a school to a free school, uh, one of the other motivating factors was one of the students in my school was murdered with his parents. Um, they actually took the truck, kidnapped um, the parents and him. They drove them to an empty field, killed the parents, and killed killed this boy. And he was only 12 years old, and he was one of my students. Mm-hmm. And roughly around that time was when one of the kids, you know, a homeless child, a less fortunate child, walked in, and he asked me if I can teach him. I was like, yeah, it costs this amount of money. And he was like, well, I don't have that. I said, well, you can do this. He's like, well, I don't have that either. I was like, well, where do you live? He goes, well, I don't have that either. So – once he told me that, and at the same time with with one of my students being murdered, uh, it completely changed my outlook on what I should be doing and why I was there. You know, so it, it was definitely different.
1: Oh man, I'm I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, I mean, those are those are definitely the, the ways that you you want to honor your students and you want to keep things going. And I can definitely understand how that makes you want to. Uh, you know, it, it makes things clearer and focus. In terms of what it is you want from the sport. I think that people go through different chapters in what the sport means to them. And a lot of that is individual and just kind of on a personal scale. And sometimes they become a coach. Sometimes they affect change like this. As you start to see this, what are those sorts of signs that you are giving something good? Because I I don't know that we know the full perspective of what it's like in Honduras as compared to say, you know, a jujitsu coach out here, maybe helping kids and, and doing great stuff. Um, but I, I guess what's the difference between it just in your perspective?
2: Um, well, there, there's a huge difference here. I open my doors, you know, a teacher here will just open his doors, teach his class, have fun, you know, close his doors, go home. They might go drink a beer with their students. They might not. Uh, they go to competitions, they go home. And that's pretty much it. You know, they diet according to the sport, you know, and that whole line. But that's pretty much it. When you're in Honduras, which I told you guys earlier, is the murder capital of the world, you're not just thinking of that. You're thinking of, how can I make sure that my students don't die today? What can I teach them today where somebody won't take advantage of them? Because as I told you earlier also, it's one of the highest rates of children, child prostitution. How can I teach this kid not to uh, fall victim to some pimp? Um, how can I teach this kid, uh, better values and to stay in school so that way he can get a good job and he can change his circle. I was teaching one of the classes and, uh, I normally lock the front door because they're huge on walking in places and, you know, robbing you at gunpoint. Well, for some reason, well, I actually know why I was waiting for a student to come in which they were going to be there in about three to four minutes, maybe even five. So I left the door open so I didn't have to put my socks back on or my slippers back on, go to the door, open it up, get back on the tatami and start training again. I was being lazy. So I left the front door open. Two guys walk in gunpoint. They robbed all of our money, all of our cell phones, the laptop that I had in the front. So those are the differences between teaching it there and here. It's life and death.
0: No shit. And partially what you're starting to get about uh, just how crazy Eddie's story is and how crazy Eddie's school is, is it's a place where it's become torn into a point where schools necessarily aren't reliable, like a lot of the infrastructure that that would stand. And that's where jujitsu becomes a little bit more important and you're on with us today because you're looking for some community help. You've been stretched pretty thin, it sounds like, in terms of trying to provide a BJJ infrastructure. Is that uh, probably understating it?
2: Yeah, that's pretty much understating it. Um, we we uh, name of the school is Infinite MMA, and we what we do there, we just don't train champions, because we do train champs. I, I want you guys to know that in almost every league in Central or South America, I have a champion in Bantam, Feather, Lightweight, Welterweight, Middleweight, Light Heavyweight. And we dominate what's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments down there. These kids, these less fortunate kids, they're, they're awesome. I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, but if we don't keep our doors open, those awesome kids that are, have changed their lives, we have ex-gang members, ex-alcoholics, ex-drug members, ex-prostitutes, just regular kids that just don't have a place to live. You know, some of them, we have two of them that are actually living in the dojo. So without the school, there's no more, like you said, infrastructure for these kids to fall back on. And the kids that first started, they're not kids anymore. They're grown men that I have actually physically seen the change in them, how they came, you know, they came in all tattered. And now, you know, I have a couple of them that are, you know, doing they have really good jobs one of them is about to get married another one is doing uh, a charitable or profit work Um, non-profit work he's building schools he's building um churches he's building homes so the school not me the the brotherhood within the school jujitsu itself has given these children a different mindset to to move on to let that go and and i'm gonna be honest with you without this school and what we're teaching and what we're giving these kids uh It'll just be like more lost souls, you know, for every 30, 40, 50 kids that I can save. I think it's worth it. You know, without the school, though, it's pretty much those 30, 40, 50 kids contributing not to the growth of of, uh, the country, but to the actual destruction of it.
0: Yeah. And how can people help now? How can people help you out?
2: Well, there's various different ways. Um, One is if you have a used gi... You know, I, I can give you guys an address and, and you can post it so they can send it. Um, if you have, you know, old equipment that you're not using anymore, you can send it. Um, and obviously I have to pay rent and I have to pay light and I have to pay water in those places. And, and for the last, I'd say, eight years, that has been coming from my pocket. And I can't financially do it anymore. We also have a GoFundMe account where they can go to. It's um, BJJ for Honduras where they can go, you know, a dollar, two dollars, you know, to five dollars. They don't have to. They don't have to, you know, you know, give an arm or a leg. Fifty cents will help, you know.
1: I like doing this right now, just because, you know, you get so lost in perspective, and in the end of the year, you always have the ability to kind of sit and reflect, and you really think about how lucky you are. You have it, especially if you're at a good gym, a good academy. You really like your training partners, and I always think about those those efforts that. You know, some of us just have it so easy, you know, and yeah. you really realize what the difference is between somebody who who needs that out there, uh, out in Honduras, where they have a high murder, a higher crime rate, a high everything rate. It just <clears throat> those numbers are just so staggering that I guess if you can, it, it makes sense to go ahead and, and do those things and support them. For you, what has been, I guess, the hardest part about? I mean, you're, you're obviously spreading yourself then, but what has been the hardest part just in terms of, of when you are teaching those kids? And then conversely, what's the most rewarding part?
2: Um, the hardest part would probably be trying to control one of my new students who has been physically abused and getting him used to the idea of someone else laying on top of him or her. Um their attitude. Some of them are just really, really violent. I had one kid. He was like seven years old, six years old. One of the other kids had said something to him and he didn't like it. So he actually took this huge rock, threw at him. Thank God he missed. And he started yelling in Spanish, I'm going to kill you after class. I'm going to find you and I'm going to murder you. Um, that kid that yelled that and threw that rock is the grown man now that I was telling you about that is doing nonprofit work, building schools, homes, and uh, uh, it, yeah, he was a big change. So the satisfying part of it is when you see the change from, you know, the little demon, not necessarily an angel, but somebody who is um, worth having in society, you know, mm-hmm. that that's the most satisfying thing. Um, and we have a lot of people that go down there for nonprofit to help, his organization and other organizations to build those schools. They have a lot of people that, you know, give money to those places. They'll actually come out. They'll train with us for a day and they, they, they do help us out. You know, they'll take the kids to the beach, stuff like that. So yeah, that's the most satisfying part is when you can see the change, when you know that that child is safe, that that child is no longer a child but a grown adult. And each one of those kids are like my, my daughter or my son. So I, it's really fulfilling to see the growth. And it's really difficult when they walk in and they want to kill everybody, kill everything, or they're just really skittish because they've been violated or they were, you know, working in prostitution and somebody was beating them up. So, you know, everybody, I have two children and uh, I actually have three. I'm sorry. I can't can't believe I forgot the other one. Don't let that child
1: hear this one then. And then just don't (laughs) Don't... tell them
2: which one. (laughs) No. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, that's a horrible father. So I would not want any of those things to happen to any of my kids. You know what I mean? I don't want my – imagine everyone here, they they think they have it bad. They really don't. If you haven't traveled to Central America and you don't have that comparison from here to there, you're, you're really just living in like a limbo, like in a false reality because, like you said earlier, they have it so good. So It's pretty wicked, the differences. And, and you know, once you go down there, though – you understand what you have and if you go down there to help you feel so satisfied you can feel it you know it's yeah. it's pretty good feeling
1: yeah and that's true and i mean i think we all have a gear two or you know in kevin's case maybe maybe three yeah. i don't know but we all have those those gear that we start to use less and less and it is it does make so much more sense to make sure that those get passed down to somebody else who can who can you, you know, really learn the value in, in a great Ezekiel choke to really take someone out? Because, uh, you know, we, all, we you know, all learn like that. Mouthy podcasters it, are everywhere. Exactly. Everywhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you would be surprised that one of those kids, when they walk in mm. and they put that gi on, how their face changes, how they feel like a warrior, how they feel like they belong to something. I guarantee, like, my first time when I put my gi on, I felt different i felt like i can destroy and take take on the world which you know wasn't the case when i walked in the class they, they murdered me <laughs> what is that feeling you know and i'm pretty sure you guys felt as well.
1: Is the... <laughs> <laughs> well kevin's been loving a lot of the nogi lately so his uh his warrior gear is his spats currently <laughs> that's true and it does
0: it feels like batman armor when you when you've got some and uh <laughs> Especially here's what I always say too, and this is where it's easy to appeal to people. The holidays are coming up. Don't you want to make space for some new gear? Yeah, you know, definitely. say goodbye to some uh, semi used <laughs> gear. Why not? Yeah. Ship it down where it's appreciated. And uh, I, I got to say, Eddie,
1: cool. you know, the nicest part about talking with you is you get perspective of something else that's happening somewhere in a different region. And I think. When you only know certain regions, and that's not to say that a lot of BJJ people travel, they get to see other places, other worlds, but when you hear those stories and you hear those firsthand accounts from the coaches, the people who are trying to instill something good, it it really is cool. I was just doing an article on uh, Claudio Franca and he said something that was really cool and I I didn't expect it at first, but he started by saying, "Uh, you know, I don't even like MMA anymore. And that caught me off guard. I was just kind of like, oh, that's really weird to say for a fight magazine. Like, I don't know why you would say that. And then he <laughs> continued and he's like, you know, yeah, the fights are cool and all, but MMA doesn't save lives. Not like jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu saves lives. And I really started to understand what he meant by that. And it was a really short, powerful thing that just stuck with me because, you know, I haven't seen as much as him or or even you in terms of how much those things really uh, make a difference. So you can say a lot with just a small amount of words, but I think it's always cool when you get to hear the stories behind uh, statements like that. So that that's one of the reasons why I was so intrigued to have you on because I don't know that world and I feel like you do get a, a sense of understanding and appreciation for those kids. And I swear to God, when those kids are killing those tournaments – That's got to be one of the best feelings in
2: the world. Oh, it is. It is. I want to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, About a year ago, we were denied entry to every single tournament that year (laughs) in Honduras. No way. Because when we go, (laughs) we destroy. I'm talking about all the way from my four year olds to my old people. We destroy. Four year olds. Yeah. There's something
1: about rejecting a four year old on base principle. Of, I know whoa, whoa, whoa. he's too good. away from me.
2: That kid's a well, killer. <laughs> yeah. Well, they actually we had a child a children's tournament, and they told us that we can go because I checked first. And I I had been training these little beasts for like, and I say beast in a good way. I don't want you to yeah. think that because you know bad behavior or anything like that. It's just that these kids, man, when they get on the mat, their faces change. They just harden up. And uh it's something that you don't even find in adults, you know, that, that discipline that they have. And and it's hard, you know, when you when I say that about a four-year-old, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I call them up three days, you know, before the tournament, hey, we're ready, we want to make sure. No, we're not gonna have the tournament, it's been canceled. All of the other schools had gotten together and you know said that they weren't gonna go to the competition if we went. <laughs> and the yeah, the reason being it's not because you know the kids are homeless or whatever. It's because every time we go, we leave with gold, silver, and bronze in every division. And, you know, they hate that.
1: So, That's insane.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, you know, and in MMA as well. From uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, and Honduras, I have, my school holds all of the belts from bantam point weight all the way to light heavyweight weight. So, yeah, they're pretty beast, man. These kids, they, they, they want to get out of it. They're yeah. all, they, every single one of them say, I'm going to the UFC, I'm going to give food to my family. That's their goal. You know what, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm no one to knock it. And I try to, you know, push them forward for that.
0: That's so no, no rad. And for you... Tell us a little bit about like, because um, I, I we like to, especially in this time, tell people one more time where they can go to donate some to donate some money. Uh, the money will yeah. go directly to keeping the lights on, the mats clean, and the jujitsu jujitsuing. This is not one of those yeah, moments re- where I, you know, Eddie's my- checking out his yacht on the <laughs> South Mediterranean.
2: <laughs> I will send you to the- No, it it goes to the rent. You know what I mean? I've I'm already tapped out. You know what I mean? I paid up to this month, and the lady told me that she would give me next month free. At, you know, that was, you know, God bless her soul because she knows I'm doing it. But she needs to make money as well. She was honest with me. She goes, look, I got a lot of people that want to turn this place into a warehouse. Mm. And, it, it, you know, it kind of saddened my heart. So I'm going to send you guys an address. Uh, I'll send it to Raf so that way he can send it to you guys. Um, preferably the geese. We don't really need adult geese. We need more children's geese. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you have an adult geese here and there, that's fine but the majority of the geese that we do need are for children from the ages of 14 down. Um, if you have any equipment as well, same thing. Um, and if you do feel like you you want to donate a dollar $5, whatever it is, you can go to um, BJJ for Honduras. Uh, and that's on the GoFundMe account. Um, and that, Money will directly go to, like you said earlier, keeping the lights on, um, keeping the water running. So that way, you know, when the kids got to go to the bathroom, uh, you know, keeping the rent going, and we also pay for a security guard because I don't want to get robbed again like we did last time. So unfortunately, I have a guy with a gun in front of my my store or in front of my uh, my academy with with a uh, you know with a shotgun. It's pitiful, but you got to have it. Yeah.
1: No, we want to keep everybody safe and. You know, we understand the reality of it. That's that's the most uh, terrible part, but as long as we keep the kids safe, that's good, man. Yeah. Well, Eddie, I mean, thank you so so much for for stopping by. Obviously, uh <clears throat> the one thing that's a little interesting about this conversation is is that when you see Eddie post, he's way more lighthearted. He's a good guy. Uh so we really can't discuss too much of that today. Uh but in the future, we'll be happy we to bring you back on. <laughs>
0: Raph and I uh, will get to the nonsense.
1: Yeah, is- we'll absolutely make sure. Because I'm pretty sure that people are listening to this being like, all right, Raph, when are you going to be doing your troll job on this guy? <laughs> like, when are you going to give this guy the what to? And, uh, you know, the the fact of the matter is uh, Kevin and I are big supporters of people who really try to use jujitsu for uh, transfixative properties, like for really trying to do it for giving ahead and paying it forward for me uh, there's a big concept of you know sending the elevator back down and i think that's so important that it played such a role in your life that you continue to try and and spread that and do it but i think that people have to understand uh, that sort of stuff doesn't come easy so we we want to do what we can to help if you guys are listening in and you have the ability to do so please do so and know that it, it really does make an effort and there's no way in the world that our good friend Jim Lawson would have ever recommended you to me without coming with some of the highest regards. So when he calls and he lets me know, he's like, hey, man, I want you to talk to this guy. And I was like, well, first of all, how dare you speak to me, Jim? (laughs) And second of all, yeah, I'll get him.
2: Well, you know what, Roth in the beginning uh, and but he did James did the same thing when when he first met me, he wanted to know who I was. So he actually did some, you know, digging. He he had made some phone calls, and he when he called me back, he's like, "Man, you're legit." I was like, well, "What are you talking about, man?" What's-? I checked in on you. I was like, "What are you talking about, man?" <laughs> I had no clue. He's like, "Well, I talked to this person. I talked to that person. This, that, and that." And they all said, "You're legit." I was like, "Well, I'm glad you did that." Well, fine, whatever, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can never forget the fact that Jim Lawson worked for the military, so. Uh, I, I'm sure when he says he's looked in on you, he may have used a channel or two uh, <laughs> that Uncle Sam may have been helping him out with. But uh, that's all the more reason to like the guy. And uh, obviously, we're glad that you're stopping by and, and talking with us about it. And thank you for sharing uh, your experiences and what it is you're doing. We, we really appreciate that.
2: Uh, it was my pleasure to have you, for you guys uh, to have me on your show, man. It's a great show. I listen to it whenever I can. And uh, keep up the good work, man, because I definitely like listening to it.
1: I appreciate that, man. Well, Eddie, we're going to get you back on another time. We want to say thank you so much. Again, GoFundMe, BJJ4Honduras, help these kids out. Make sure that they are able to train so that uh, they can continue to get the nice benefits that we all enjoy and, you know, let's face it, sometimes take for granted. So, ladies and gentlemen, Eddie Cruz. Um.
0: Hey everyone, this has been part one. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in to part two. Coming next week.